I'm sure many of us here have had the experience where something we were excited about was too good to be true. Fathers, when you were holding your precious little newborn in your hands and you looked at him or her and, and you were just in awe, then they grew up and started eating your food, using your gas, it was too good to be true. <laughs> I was dating a guy who I thought was perfect. Um, he was a spiritual leader. He was goal-oriented. My family fell in love with him. All the requirements that I had for, for this significant other, he met. But he was too good to be true. <laughs> My mom still has a very hard time dealing with this breakup. And, and just so... We can move on. We ended because we just weren't compatible. But <laughs> so no one's left on a cliffhanger. And so many of, of these stories that, that we, we enter into of, of promises of our pay raises, of, of hopes of good diet um, tricks and, and the used cars that we buy, some of the relationships we're, we're in, it seems to be too good to be true, and we become jaded. And so we start questioning things, and, and good things that come along our way, it's, it's difficult to, for us to believe and accept them. And when I think of the book of Acts, my initial reaction is disbelief. These stories are so incredible that it's almost unbelievable. In Acts 2, after one of Peter's sermons, thousands get baptized. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Fasting and, and praying together without ceasing. I mean, did they also sing Kumbaya? In Acts 9, a, a murderer turned Jesus lover. Now, now that's an Oscar winner. In Acts 16, a, a staunch Roman jailer brought to his knees for the gospel. Are you sure he wasn't trying to tie his sandal? In today's text, a, a wealthy woman leading one of the very first house churches in Philippi, clearly too good to be true. So let's review the text for today. Paul receives a vision to go to Macedonia to help those there. And Paul and Silas embark on, on a journey leading them to the city of Philippi. On Sabbath, they find themselves near a river where they believed a synagogue would be, but instead they find a gathering of women. It's interesting that out of all the women there, the writer highlights Lydia. And we only know two things about Lydia. She was a dealer of purple cloth and that there is no mention of a husband, which leads us to guess that she was a very wealthy woman, perhaps even well-known in her community and the head of her household. And this was not Paul's first interaction with women. If, if we go to Acts 13, verse 50, we find possible interactions of Paul and wealthy women it reads, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their region. So, so it appears Paul's experience with women of high standing has not been favorable. I could imagine Paul thinking twice as 
uh, he approaches Lydia. But I want to take note here that it is Lydia who takes the initiative. You see, Lydia is the one that, that opens up and listens with her heart. She leads her family to baptism. She invites Paul and Barnabas to stay with her. And all Paul and his companions had to do was say yes. But the story doesn't end here. If we continue reading to the end of Acts, we, we get a better picture of this church in Philippi. Following along in Acts 16, verse 16 to 25, we find a, a story of a slave girl who had been spiritually and economically bound against her own will. Paul, by the power of Christ, releases the girl from the spirit of divination and her masters. And because it was not lawful at the time for Jews to convert Romans, the Roman magistrates sentenced Paul and Silas to prison. And if you continue reading in Acts 16, a, at midnight, a violent earthquake breaks open the prison doors and Paul and Silas are released from their shackles. And in verse 27, we find this Roman jailer who, who thinks because his prisoners have, have been released that he is going to basically die. He's gonna be punished that he lost these, these prisoners and so he is about to take his own life till he hears the shouts of Paul and Silas. And these words save him. And he asks Paul, how, how do I become saved? And Paul says, just believe. And so like Lydia, he also leads his household to also believe. And after that, Paul and Silas are released by the magistrates and they return to Lydia's house. Philippi, a leading city of, of Macedonia has now become a leading city of Christianity. If Philippi sounds familiar because it's from the, the letter Philippians. You see, this was the very church Paul writes his most energized and, and positive and encouraging letter. And in Philippians 1, 3 and 4, he writes, I thank God every time I remember you constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the city from the first day until now. These are the first members of the church in Philippi, a wealthy and prominent woman, a poor and oppressed slave, a persecuting and unbelieving jailer. The Philippians become the embodiment of the gospel the gospel that accepts and liberates all peoples from all walks of life. Lydia was a woman of high standing, placed in a category of women who had the reputation of persecuting those like believing Paul. And she is moved to not only accept Christ, but to also give of herself in hospitality. You see, Lydia does what the rich ruler fails to do in Acts 18, or Luke 18. The slave girl, bound against her will, used to make money for men, professes correctly who Paul and Silas are, that they are from the Most High God, who proclaim a message of salvation, and she is liberated. 
The Roman jailer, afraid that he would be punished and killed for losing prisoners, who is about to take his own life, but instead finds it through the voices of godly men, which leads him and his family to faith in Christ. What a bizarre train of events. It seems too good. This is, this is too good. This is unbelievable. I mean, does this make any sense to you? And as I, I wrestled with these stories, it dawned on me that my skepticism of believing these stories was my skepticism of God. You see, God was the one who moved in the lives of the apostles, the Jews, the Gentiles, the rich and poor, the, the men and women. God was the one that opened Lydia's heart to listen. God was the one that allowed the spirit to be removed from the girl. God was the one that sent the earthquake to free Paul and Silas. It was God's hand that was moving. And it did not take long for people to accept this free grace. What I realized was that as we entered into the lives of Lydia, the slave girl, the jailer, we are entering into a territory of reckless abandon, a territory of grace. Some of us here may be thinking, God, you, you are doing things that are too good to be true. Perhaps our, our disbelief results from our inability to comprehend God's goodness and grace that God's limitless mercy cannot be squeezed in our limited boxes. And this is the way God operates. If we stop being surprised by what God is doing, then we've stopped letting God be God. Their story reminds us of ours. Some of us may have had that road to Damascus experience where the scales came off our eyes and we encountered Jesus. Maybe we were like Lydia and, and we thought we had it all, but nothing means anything if we don't have the love of Christ in our hearts. Maybe we were chained and bound to oppressive structures and the gospel freed us. Maybe we were the ones hiding behind bars forcing ourselves to believe that we were the ones free, and we too fell on our knees in desperation for salvation. And although this grace seems so incomprehensible, this is the point of grace. God is so good that we can only respond in oohs and ahs, so amazed at his wondrous work that we are left with eyes wide open hardly believing what we've experienced when we felt the forgiveness for our wrongs, when we felt God's overflow of love in our loneliest moments, when that peace that surpasses all understanding came over us in our most trying times, that overwhelming feeling of joy that the only way we can express it is in sighs too deep for words. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in Acts 16, verse 25. I've wondered what Paul and Silas were singing about, locked up, bounded, in prison. And I imagined them singing to the tune of Psalm 67. 
May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you. Judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. Singing their hearts out, filled with joy, thinking of people like Lydia and the previous converts on their journey. Imagine what these words did as Paul reflected on his own story, on his own miracle. The gospel is a miracle story. The good news invites us all to step into the reality of our creator. Once we experience Christ, we can't help but invite others to step into their own miracle story. Grace is reckless. It makes no sense. After one of Peter's sermons, thousands get baptized. Yes, that sounds about right. Fasting and praying without ceasing why aren't we doing this more? Murderer turned Jesus lover, grace at its finest. A wealthy woman leading one of the first house churches, a beautiful reminder of surrender and selflessness. A staunch Roman jailer brought to his knees for the gospel, the paramount posture of transformative power. When we are at the disposal of grace, God transforms hearts. When we are at the disposal of grace, God liberates souls. When we are at the disposal of grace, God forgives sinners. This is the miracle of God's love. And this is our story. Every day, the creator and redeemer of the universe invites us to live in this reality of unconventional grace. And it's about time we start singing too. May the peoples praise you, O oh God. May all the peoples praise you.